0: Good morning, people. Good morning, human race, species of whatever the hell you are, homo sapien bullshit. Good morning to the meat puppets and the meat robots going about their daily business. Make sure you buy the dip with the Bitcoin. With Bitcoin so low you can't afford not to buy to buy some and hodl it. Make sure you jump in on Bitcoin. It's going to go really, really big. It's going to be worth a million dollars. Real real soon. No, I'm kidding. I believe crypto is a furnace. Yes, there are people that have worked with crypto and made some money. I saw somebody post their returns, you know, since whatever 2013 and 2013, if you'd invested $10,000 in Boblimtok, in in the year of Boblimtok, you'd have a million dollars. Yes, you would. The same thing happened during tulip mania and all the other manias involving shit that people barely fucking understood. So don't go buy crypto. But before we continue with this podcast, I'm going to do a rare thing. It's not rare for me to beg for money, more or less, but it's kind of rare to do it up front. Um, I have food, I have water, I have shelter, and ergo, I'm doing okay. But I kind of need to come up with some money here pretty soon to help out. And so if you're out there, and you've never donated before, um, and you have some extra money, and you want to donate, feel free. You're not obligated, you know. You're not obligated to listen to me beg. You can skip ahead. Probably five minutes is enough. But, you know, I'm going to do what those podcasters do. They'll say, well, listen, I give you this entertainment value, and I don't know. I mean, I don't have the kind of moral assurity or, or surety or certainty when it comes to any of this stuff to say hey, give me some money, there's a lot of pain out there. There are a lot of people who don't have a lot of money. There are a lot of folks who are house rich and 401k rich and pension fund rich, but in terms of money they can use to buy food or there being food for them to buy or for the food to be food, you know, that they could afford to buy, that's not like it used to be. It's tough. And I wish I could say it's going to get easier from here, but that would be a lie. All the manipulation, all the, all the absurdity, all of the crooked money that's been printed uh, by this country and other countries, all of these things are consequences. They may not be consequences today, but they are consequences and they're coming due. Now, you can believe, well, Dan, but what about the rockets and Elon Musk? And what about my crypto? What about your fucking crypto? So if you want to donate, uh, you can. There's a link to PayPal. I don't know how much longer that's going to work because I think they're about to change their rules again. And it's possible that good old Uncle Dan won't have a way of get, you know taking donations. So before time runs out, you can donate to the podcast. You can donate to keep it going. But if you don't have the money, don't do it. You need to have food, water, shelter taken care of. If you haven't done that, don't donate. If you have children and a family and you need to take care of them, yeah, food, water, shelter. If you haven't done that, you shouldn't donate. I would say a wise person, no matter where you lived on planet Boblintock, would have six to 12 months of food if they could have it, someplace stowed away. It isn't going to guarantee you're going to survive. It just increases your odds. That's all. It just increases your odds. If you haven't bought enough long-term storable food, do that. Don't worry about donating. And if you think this is a good podcast, while the internet is still a thing, you can recommend it to your friends. You could also download all the MP3s you want to and put that onto a USB and hand it to your friends. We're in a weird place, brothers and sisters. I can't even tell you Um, that any of this is going to matter much in a few months. But I'm sure that if you go on CNN or Fox News or Fox Business News or NPR, I'm sure if you listen to NPR, someone on Talk of the Nation will tell you how everything's going to be fine and everything's okay. If you're looking for someone to tell you everything's okay or to give you an exit strategy involving crypto and QAnon and Trump, if you're looking for somebody to pump up your your ego bomb of the week, I don't know. I'm not the right person. Probably not going to tell you. Listen, if you own a house in a city and, and you own it outright and you can sell it for a million bucks, you should go buy a piece of property in the country ASAP. And if you tell me you don't know how to farm, learn. And I don't mean learn Monsanto style. That's basically turning the Midwest into a desert. I mean learn how to farm, food, food you can eat. If you're asking yourself, well, don't I have time, do you? Like when exactly do we think we're going to have the extra time? And if you can't hear that, those are the dogs barking. They seem to be upset about something, probably a squirrel. Maybe a burb. Maybe a neighbor dog poking its nose through the fence. It's hard to say what those dogs bark at. If you live in a city, you're surrounded by a lot of people. And that's true of pretty much every city throughout history. You're surrounded by lots of people but you're not necessarily surrounded by lots of food. Yeah, 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 throughout history you've had cities that have been next to agricultural regions or next to the fields that grow the food, but that's not your modern city. A lot of modern cities get their food from hundreds or thousands of miles away they get their food from someplace else. You can tell me about all the sprouts you're going to grow in your toilet. You can tell me about the green beans you're growing in your bathroom butthole. You can tell me about all the weird crooked bullshit you're going to do. You are not going to feed a city of a quarter of a million or a million or 10 million people off of sprouts. You might make it who the fuck knows? You could be like Yul Brenner in The Ultimate Warrior. You could be impossible to stop. It is unlikely, but you could be. Or you could be Max von S- Sidow, Max von Sidow, and, and be part of the Farmers Collective on the Roof. Or you could be one of those bum-ass, dunk-ass, grotesque, grungy folk, the scrumblies, the scrotons, the fucking... Yeah, you could be the gangsters wandering the street, killing people and eating people. And you could be those people too. I don't know. But what I am telling you is that cities are filled with a lot of people and not a lot of food compared to people. So it's something to think on, something to meditate on. You're not going to sell your house on that day. The day that people's stomachs are grumbling in the city will not be a day you sell your house, you won't sell it any day after that. There will come a day in the near future where you're going to, for the sake of your own survival, you're going to need to leave the fucking city, but you won't be able to because your house is worth a million bucks to somebody, right? A house in a city where the ground is toxic, where... You know, any place you could farm was an old World War II factory that dumped all its poison there. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about you, Seattle. A house in a city that in some ways is a giant Superfund site next to a body of water that's been polluted by it for decades. A house in a city that's got way more people than food where the ocean next door doesn't have the fish to feed you. You're not going to go fishing in the Puget Sound for food. Oh, you can, and you'll catch something. I'd check out for tumors. I know I pulled a flounder outside of the Seattle area out of the water about 10 years ago. It had a couple tumors on it. So you'll you'll want to check for tumors, but you'll probably eat it anyways, because that's protein, that tumor. So if you have the money and you want to donate, I could use the donation, but I think you probably could too. So that's about as much begging as I can do. Um, There'll be a link to PayPal if you want to do it. Next topic. Riding in an old pickup truck, an old Ford pickup truck, a 1970-bo It's rusty and raggedy. Its structure is filled with all types of weaknesses and potential failures. It has about a million miles on it. That is if you trust the old whiskey whore you bought it from. By then, the odometer had flipped over more times than you could imagine if you could imagine such a thing you got an old Ford pickup. You call her Old Smokey. She gets five gallons to the mile. The engine's making noises. Horrible, horrible fucking noises. You're hearing it screaming. The engine is screaming from hell. A demon inside of the engine is having sex with a Frenchie. The Frenchie is eating. A whale turd. you got an old Ford pickup, and it's beat up, and it's, you know, 40 years old plus and it's rusty and raggedy and smoky, and it's making all kinds of new noises, what do you do? Do you pull over by to the side of the road? Do you take a look at the engine? Do you let her cool off? Do you assess your situation? Or do you just change the fucking cassette tape? Change, turn up the fucking volume. Maybe it has an 8-track player. That works out pretty good. But crank up that volume. And you won't hear the weird noises the engine's making. Just turn up the volume on your fucking cassette tape. Don't worry about the noise the fucking engine's making. Just turn up the fucking volume. Put in some Def Leppard. Put in some ACDC... Put in some kiss, you fuck. course you must think I've gone insane, right? Why are you talking about the old Ford pickup, Dan? You making fun of Fords again? Well, you know what? I can make fun of Chevys and Dodges and AMCs and old vehicles from companies that no longer exist, and it doesn't matter. It's not the point. Could be any kind of shitty old pickup. It's a shitty old pickup. You're driving. You got to drive it because the radio says you got to keep on driving. You can't stop. Now, of course the temperature dial is pegged and the the oil pressure dial is pegged and you can hear noises coming from your engine that sound real bad like there's a bent rod maybe a lifter has shot through the top of the fucking holy fuck the valve cover there's a, a valve that fell into the piston cylinder it's now jammed in there Out of the eight cylinders, only three fire, two on one side, one on the other, baby. Yes, indeed. Why am I talking about the shitty Ford? Because when you think about what's going on right now, you know... Especially when it comes to the psychological warfare. I'm not gonna call it mass formation psychosis because I'm not gonna gaslight you. You're being gaslit and being told that all the fucking monkey herpes bullshit was your fault. Blah, blah, blah. That was predictable. I mean, a trauma-based mind control psyop like this can only last so fucking long before people go completely batshit crazy. So, so this was inevitable. They would look for an exit if such a thing existed, but they're not really exiting, brothers and sisters. They're just changing the cassette tape. There was a cassette tape they had in labeled "The Monkey Herpes," and the Monkey Herpes was popular for, for you know 2020. They had some big hits. You remember, you know, yeah, you remember Chris Martinson talking about monkey herpes crawling up the pipes and infecting you in the butthole? You remember the stories about tigers having the monkey herpes rona? You remember about all the people just falling over and doors being welded in China because of the fucking rona monkey herpes? Big hits in 2020. But in 2021, there were some flops. Um including the vaccine bullshit. Who knows what the truth is there? If we'll ever know. But people are getting tired of the monkey herpes, and so they don't really want to listen to the the track again. They don't care that you can flip it over and there are other tracks on the other side. They don't care to hear Fauci's number one hit, Listen to Me, That Mask is Love. They don't need to know this. They're done. But does that mean we get out of the pickup and maybe you know pull over to the side of the road, get out, check the engine, assess our situation? No, they're just changing the fucking cassette and turning up the volume. It doesn't mean that we're not close to some, you know, transitional thing. I think we are, but man, when I look at the tempo of the psyop at this point, it just looks like the psyop is running out before the clock. Now, if this is just the collapse of the empire, if that's all that that if, if, if that's all that this is, the collapse of the petrodollar empire, it's still going to be hard, it's still going to be messy, but if, if that's all that this is, then okay. I mean, yeah, they really picked a shitty way to deal with it, but they're not necessarily good people or smart people, you know? They chose to deal with it and maybe try to force a reset down your throat by using dynamite, essentially. You know, by tossing dynamite around. You can remodel your home with dynamite. You can. You can remodel your home. You can remodel your car. If you have, you know, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend you don't like, you can remodel them as well with dynamite. But if you want to build something, and I know this is going to sound controversial, but I'll I'll just blurt it out. If you're trying to build something that lasts, you're probably not going to, A, use dynamite to do it, or B, build it out of fucking dynamite. So whatever the fuck they thought was going to happen, after all this monkey herpes nonsense, if they believed they were going to build a reset Schwabian future, they were high on the worst crack you can buy. But what it really looks like is that the clock is still running. The big whatever, whatever it is hasn 't showed up yet, could be collapse, could be something else we just don't know, but the problem is the monkey herpes has run its course psychologically and and really it's it's getting so long in the tooth that pretty much everyone 's abandoning ship, yeah, 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 they're leaving behind a stink bomb called mass for for mass formation psychosis. So they're not really telling you the truth, they're, they're being good sheepdogs and herding you towards the Chinese murder virus and the and the crazy that you blame on the people. They're never going to address the fact that this was done on purpose, that it was engineered. Fine, 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 you know. Best case scenario, this is the collapse of the dollar empire. and And in some ways that's great news and it is baked into the cake. The U.S. empire and pretty much every government is facing collapse at this point. So that's going to happen. The question is, is it anything worse? And I don't know. They keep changing the cassette tape. They keep turning up the fucking volume. They keep producing noise, but there's no signal. They keep giving you facts and information, but it's useless to you. There's nothing you can do with it. Knowing how crooked they are knowing that they are pedophiles and thieves and rapists and murderers and scumbags, knowing all of the sordid facts from the Ghislaine trial and from the Epstein bullshit, knowing all that but also knowing that no real justice is being done is almost worthless knowledge because all it can do is stress you out. All it can do is remind you that you have no power, you have no control, and you can be treated like a piece of shit with impunity. That is not good knowledge to know. It's not liberating knowledge. It's kind of stressful and depressing, really. So for all the noise and all the sturm and drang and all the revelations and all the let's go Brandon or whatever, um, for all that, there's nothing really there that's leading to anything that's leading to action. It's mostly sit back and watch, you know. And when I say action, I don't mean the January sixth bullshit from 2021. That was nonsense. Anybody who believes that was anything other than an op is a complete moron. But but and again, I you know I have podcasts with date time stamps. I said, do not go. If you went, you know you don't understand what's going on. That's your problem. People still went and did it. If you're gonna do something, don't talk about it on Facebook. And the time for protests is over. You can choose to survive somehow. You can find a little crack, a little hole on the Death Star and and find a spot. You can sit in that Ford pickup and you can turn up the volume. You can ignore the smoke, the carbon monoxide, the fact that you're this close to passing out. You can do all that, whatever you want to do. But at this point, protesting and voting is not going to help you. Okay? Arresting local officials is not going to help you. Anything that they taught you in your civics class is not going to help you. And if you're going to do something that's outside the scope of your civics class, don't talk about it on the phone. Don't send emails. Don't post it on social media. Don't podcast about it. Don't. I don't want to know. Not so much for you, but for me. The key thing is here, you have to practice OPSEC. If you think that somehow you're going to get internet famous by tearing down the system, you are deeply fucking confused. Okay, the system is the thing that was making people internet famous and you want to tear it down. You're not going to get a bigger podcast on YouTube afterwards, sorry. So give up on that bullshit. Anyways, next topic don't really want to read this article, but in the notes, there's a link to an article about China and the Middle East. And the main message of the article is China is moving in as we're moving out. Now, folks, I think the Middle East and the Persian Gulf and that entire region is a giant fucking dumpster fire. So if you ask me, would you want to be king of the dumpster fire? The answer should be no. OK, think in terms of monopoly. You know, the first set of squares, the first, you know, the first side of the, the, the map, the, the, the really crappy like Baltic Avenue, Baltic fucking Avenue. Listen, the Middle East is worse than Baltic Avenue. You build a hotel on it. The hotel is is dustified by the next day. So, no, it is worthless. Why would you want to be in charge of the dumpster fire? And if you say, well, the oil, well, that's kind of true and kind of false. If you actually knew how much oil the United States military chewed up to steal the oil from Syria, you would understand that not only was it evil, but it was fucking moronic, okay? The amount of energy and resources chewed up in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, around the world, in just this century alone, and for what? To control oil and control you know, rare earths and whatnot, if you understand how much of that shit the military chews up, you'd say, listen, I get that you're evil, but why the fuck do you have to be stupid? No, folks. The Middle East is a dumpster fire. I'm sure there are neocons and other representatives of the state of Israel that will tell you we have to be there, but we do not. And let's just narrow in on that. The carrot that kept us there was oil. Well, fine. But according to WikiLeaks, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Gwar, the largest conventional oil field on planet Earth, was pumping over 50% water. It wasn't pumping much oil anymore. That was something that was considered top secret, that you don't talk about that. The reality is the Middle East and the Persian Gulf and that entire region is not the oil-rich oil rich land of instant wealth that it used to be. Yeah, there's still probably natural gas and oil they can frack for, but believe me, that's the expensive shit. And that makes the proposition of invading countries and blowing them up even weaker. So I don't give a shit. The long and the short of it is, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this stupid topic. I don't give a fuck. Even if I pretended to be, you know... I was once a Republican a long time ago, but even if I pretended to be that good government Republican that believes in national defense, even if I look through those shitty glasses and I look at the Middle East, all I see is a fucking dumpster fire. The only reason for us to be there is to protect the state of Israel, and that's it. That's it. It's not for oil, not for resources, not for any other fucking reason, but to act as an arm of the state of Israel, an arm of its military. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I am sorry if somebody convinced you that you got to return to a chunk of land that you lost thousands of years ago. Yeah, it's great. And if you think, well, but Dan, it's in Revelation, it's in the Bible. You know, there are lots of things in the Bible that you you or I all of us, we may not fully understand. So when it talks about Israel, we may not fully understand. But what I can tell you is this, the state of Israel does not represent Jesus Christ. It does not represent goodness. And there's a high likelihood that your good friend, Jeffrey Epstein, is living it up in the state of Israel today. That's the state of Israel. That's your friend, that's your ally. Pedophile rape schemes. That is the state of Israel. If you want to tell me we should defend that, go fuck yourself. But that is the only reason for us to give a shit about China moving into the dumpster fire. And you know what? The state of Israel, being a bunch of shitheads that they are, at least as far as the government goes, they will buddy up to China too. And then all of a sudden it'll be China and, and Israel forever. But be careful, China. Be careful. Be careful what you fucking ask for. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. No, actually, no, this is, uh, yeah. This one has to do with switching rigs, wow. And there's a link to another article off of Zero Hedge. You know, I really can't read much of of the news, all of its crap, maybe especially Zero Hedge, but it's one of the few places left where you can pretend that you're getting some kind of news. So I go to pretend land. But there was this article about a week ago about how the Canadian government was telling truckers that you had to switch loads at the border because we're worried about the monkey herpes. Let's talk about something really quick. One of the most idiotic fucking things you can do in the middle of any type of epidemic or pandemic or plague is concentrate people. The second dumbest thing you can do is have those people in a concentrated area doing lots of work together. This theory that taking these loads to the border and piling people up on both sides is going to help mitigate some type of real pandemic is mental illness. It is so retarded, I almost feel like I'm insulting people with mental disabilities. Because you know what? People with mental disabilities aren't this fucking stupid. This is just plain dumb. There is no logic to it, there is no rationalization. It's like the fucking arrows they drew in the fucking floor of the grocery store that doubled, tripled the amount of time you spent in the fucking grocery store. How is that logical? How does that fucking help you with an infectious disease? The answer is, it does not. It might make you get used to kabuki theater, it might make you a more obedient slave, who the fuck knows what the little arrows in the grocery store did for you. But what they did not do is help you with any type of pandemic, real or imagined, and in the case of the monkey herpes, pretty much bullshit. When you look at stories like the Switching Rig stories, you can't really look at it in any literal sense. A literal interpretation does not work because they're lying to you. The questions you have to ask is, why are they telling you this? That's the first question. Not, is the story true? The story could be true, it could be bullshit, and there's no way for you to know. But why would they... Um, Why would they telegraph this? Why would they communicate this? Why are they sending the signal that all of a sudden the trucks are gonna stop at the borders? Well, here's a reason. Because if you are expecting to have shortages at your grocery stores, if you're expecting to run out of stuff that people can't really live without pretty soon, you need another fucking excuse. Oh, the hackers hacked Tyson chicken. That's why there ain't no chicken. All the monkey herpes took away all the meat workers. That's why there ain't no meat. Oh, we don't have enough stevedores at the fucking docks to unload the ships. That's why the containers, blah, 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 blah. Do you believe all this bullshit? The Russians did it? The Russians ate your fucking potatoes? They are running out of excuses to cover up the fact that our very Stalinist, very centralized, very corrupt systems of supply are falling apart that this neo-Stalinist hellhole is heading down the same epic track as every other hellhole in history, and that is destruction. They don't want you to know that or to think that. So now it's, we've got to switch loads. Even though they're telling you in other news, hey! The pandemic could almost be over. Maybe the UK is kind of opening up. Sure, you got to still wear your slave mask for unbeknownst reasons to anybody that practices fucking logic. But whatever, you might not have to get the vaccine. A lot of mixed signals right now. A lot of mixed signals. And if you if you sift through it, part of the message is if you can't get food to eat next week at the grocery store. Blame the monkey herpes, blame the Canadians, blame the hackers, blame the Russians, blame the people on the West Coast that won't unload those fucking ships that have all kinds of crap on them, probably not a lot of food though. But don't for a moment question the system. The system's perfect. The Ford pickup, yeah, it's making noises and it's a bit smoky and you're probably going to get lung cancer from driving it, but it's still running, baby. Baby. It's still running. You can still invest. Go long. Go long. Buy and hold. Dollar cost averaging. It's been true for at least 100 years, maybe longer. We don't know. Ergo, it's got to be true in the future, right? Yeah. If you own a house anywhere, there, there will soon be way more people than food. Your house is worthless. If you own a house anywhere in the fallout footprint of a boiling water reactor, your house will soon be worthless. If you own a house someplace where there isn't enough stuff to live off of and you have to ship it in, your house, is, your, the home you have is soon gonna be worthless. No one's gonna buy it. That's the definition of worthless. It's still useful as shelter. You can still sleep in your bed. But your kids will get hungrier. Your neighbor's kids will get hungrier. The government's not going to warn you or tell you. They're not going to help you. They might make some claymation cartoons telling you how fun and cozy it is to have a blackout. Like Puget Sound Energy did back in 2018. But they're not going to tell you the fucking truth, buddy. If you own a home anywhere... You have to have food shipped in your home will soon be worthless if you own a home anywhere there is way more people than food your home will soon be worthless buddy and you can change the cassette tape all you want to you can you know hook up your solar panels and charge up them their batteries hook up your old fucking stereo and pump it up with the fucking ACDC. And no matter what you do, if you live in a city, you won't be able, no one's going to buy your fucking home. I don't know when that is. Right now, they're still telling you stories about, I got three or four bids for my fucking home. Listen, you're going to have magical bullshit right up until the fucking end and there will be no gentle descent. It will be at least as crazy as the way up and probably more so. And if you live someplace where there isn't enough food, I don't care if your home is worth a million bucks right now. Very, very soon it will be worth nothing. You may find yourself having to have to hike out on foot through a city with, with streets covered in cars that don't move, highways covered in vehicles that ain't going nowhere, you might have to hike 10, 20, 30 miles before you even get to a spot that might have a little bit more food than people. And those people will look at you and they're probably not going to say, hey, welcome, welcome to where we used our fucking common sense. No. A lot of them will feel a lot of righteousness in blowing your fucking head off. I know it's nice to believe the country folk are just going to feed you and water you and some will if they're wise they'll do so cautiously and they'll make you work for it but a lot of people are just going to fucking kill you okay it's going to get to that point if you can get a million bucks for your fucking home today boomer And you can take that million bucks and get a place someplace for your grandkids so they can fucking have a chance in hell. You should have done that a month ago. You should definitely do that today. Tomorrow might be too fucking late, buddy. And if your excuse is, well, we all lived the life we wanted to live, let me tell you something. If your eyes are wide open, that's okay. But you need to accept the fact that you might see people you care about raped and killed And in some cases eaten because, hey, cannibalism is a thing when people run out of food. If you can accept that triple X rated violent film you're about to see up close in 3D, then sure, be at peace with your bullshit. But most of you do not understand how ugly it's going to get. You don't. If you live in the United States of America, most of you have no clue. You could have said, I lived in New York City back in the 70s. Let me tell you a fucking story, boomer. Right after, you know, Pearl Harbor. And again, right after Pearl Harbor, the Soviets, the Russians, had already been fighting the Nazis for a few months. December 1941. Joseph Stalin, Uncle Joe, realized the United States was about to become an ally. And believe me, that was strange to a lot of people, given that the Soviets were scumbags, And there were two countries that invaded Poland in 1939. One was Nazi Germany, the other was the Soviet Union. But the commie professors don't talk about that much. Why? Because it doesn't fit the fucking narrative. In 1941, after the United States entered the war, Joseph Stalin decided he wanted to show some American films. And so he told his advisors, go find some good American films that we can show in the Soviet Union. And, and they all thought on this. And they realized they had to pick a film that showed the United States in horrible conditions. They couldn't show fancy Fred Astaire dancing, smoking cigarettes, drinking martinis bullshit. No, 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 no. They had to show America at its worst. So they picked the the movie based upon, I believe, the John Steinbeck novel, The Grapes of Wrath, with Henry Fonda, right? Playing, what, Jode? They pick the grapes of wrath and they show the grapes of wrath to Stalin. And he gets very angry. Because here's the thing, at the worst moment that they could think of, the worst picture of American history, Stalin said they're still driving around trucks. They're still moving around in vehicles. Keep in mind, during the Russian Civil War, plenty of cannibalism. Their rock bottom was Russians eating each other. Okay, During the siege of Leningrad, The rock bottom was people eating each other. And these motherfuckers show him a fucking movie where the worst case scenario, people can still load up in a fucking truck and drive to California. And that was the worst movie you could show, showing the worst of America at the time. So if you're a fucking boomer and you're going to tell me about the Bronx and and New York City and all the grittiness and all the violence and the Saturday night specials, you know, that's fine. But that does not mean you've seen the worst buddy. That doesn't mean you've actually looked into hell. You may have gotten a peek. You may have gone to the, the projects in 1975 and gotten a peek into hell. But you probably really don't understand how bad it can get. Yes, it can get so bad that people look at you like your food. It can get so bad that parents listen to their kids going hungry at night, and they would rather, in the least, in the very least, kill your fucking dog and feed the dog to the kids. And they will do that very soon after they start going hungry. The dogs, the cats, the squirrels, they'll all go away. And then it's going to be people time. A big problem we face in the near future is learned helplessness. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that we have millions of people in this country, hundreds of millions, who are capable of picking themselves up, dusting themselves off, and solving problems rather than creating them. We have people in this country that are capable of it, but it doesn't mean they're going to do it the public schools, the universities, the entire system tells people you get to know A, but you don't get to know B. You get to know C, but ignore N. You get to know one piece of the puzzle, but you can't know the whole puzzle, and if you want to know the whole puzzle, you must be a racist. We have a system that teaches us that we can't know things, and because we can't know them, we have to be obedient to some superclass that does. I mean, that's part of what led to the monkey herpes, brothers and sisters. A lot of learned fucking helplessness. People assumed, oh, it's a doctor. It's a doctor at a hospital. They must be telling the truth. And then if a doctor comes out and says maybe the monkey herpes is bullshit, well, then that doctor must be racist, right? Right, right. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Impossible is just a fancy word for I give up, Dr. Freckles. Impossible. If they tell you it's impossible, they're really saying I give up. That's a quote from Dr. Freckles, and I think he's right. You know? We have millions of people in this country that could help us through what's what's about to hit us and and if we're lucky, it's going to be horrible and if we're unlucky, it's going to be worse and whatever's coming it's going to be quite bad and We have hundreds of millions of people in this country, okay. We have a lot of people that are capable of solving problems. They're capable of putting in an honest day's work. They are capable of surviving. But they have been told their entire life, especially in public school, that they're not capable. And they can't control anything. And they can't know things. So you might as well just obey. But I agree with Dr. Freckles when it comes to this issue. If somebody tells you something's impossible, all they're, really, all they're really admitting to is that they've given up, that they are no longer willing to try. A couple years ago, I made the mistake of interviewing somebody that I thought was legit, and I'm not sure that they are. But what's worse is that they were promoting a death cult. Now, they they masqueraded, well, it's planetary hospice, we have to accept the world is over, blah, 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 clathrate gun, blah, 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 global dimming, blah, blah, blah. If the economy drops by blah, blah, it's over. The guy literally said that two years ago. He said, if there's a 20% drop in the economy, it's over. Well, I think we've had that, buddy. I think we've had a bit more than that. And it's still going on and on and on. So maybe you're wrong, but what makes you more wrong is telling people it's over. The only entity I know of that gets to know when it's over is God. And if you're an atheist, the answer is nobody. But if you wanna condemn billions of people to death, the easiest thing to do is tell them there's nothing they can do. Uh, Probably worse is to lie to them about the truth, which is what I think we've been experiencing. For almost two years, being lied to about the truth. But add to that being told that even if you knew the truth, even if you knew what was going on, there's nothing you can do. You're basically telling people to just go and die. And the only person I know of in the whole universe that knows when I die and you die and when the planet dies is God. That's it. And if you don't believe in God, like I said, the answer is nobody. So if any motherfucker tells you, including me, that I know when the world will end, they are full of shit. Do I think that we are heading into some crazy times? Yeah. In 2019, I pulled the trigger, and I told my listeners, the great discontinuity is here. It's just beginning, but it's here. And at the time, I thought if we were lucky, it would just be economic collapse. I called it the screwballee. But as the longer... um. The longer the psyops have lasted and the more damage that they've done that's perceivable and the weaker the excuses get for how they couldn't have known, the more I think they've used all this nonsense to cover something up. And I don't know. They could be wrong about whatever that is, but here's the deal. It is better for us to know, okay, if a asteroid is headed towards the planet it would be better for everyone to know Yeah, some people will go crazy some people will act like pieces of shit newsflash we already have that it already happens and in your government-run system it's guaranteed to happen but by leveraging billions of people you've increased your odds of survival you've increased the chance that somebody might figure out a solution sure it might not even be government by the way In fact, chances are it won't be. But somebody will come up with something. If you gaslight and mindfuck and manipulate billions of people for two years, keeping them away from the truth, and then suddenly they become aware that something's about to happen, yeah, people will be angry and people will go crazy. And that is a disaster that is avoidable. We can tell the truth. We can recognize that using the word impossible is probably a word that only God can use. I mean, really, or nobody. We don't really know what's possible until we do. And if anyone would know, it would be God. And if God does not exist, then no one knows what is possible. And nobody knows what is impossible. And if some motherfucker tells you you should lay down and die, they're probably full of shit. Next topic. Oh, another quote from Dr. Freckles. Beware the friction-free environment. That little bit of resistance is a little bit of control. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, here's the thing. It is... It is interesting, especially when you take your first year of physics and you're mostly studying Newtonian mechanics. It is interesting to think about a frictionless surface as an abstraction. These things don't really exist, but imagine there was a surface without friction that you could slide on. Um, You could push an object and unless some other force acted upon it, that object would coast forever. And in some ways, if you believe what you've been told about outer space, with absent any other force of gravity, if you launch something into the universe, it will just keep going again. And and in a sense, the vacuum of space is almost like a frictionless surface. Not quite, it's not that perfect, but it's almost like that. The problem though with frictionless environments is it's very difficult to have control. A lot of the control we have is about generating friction or turbulence. It's about generating something that technically removes energy from the system, technically can slow you down, but it allows you to have control, okay? So whether it's the rudder on a, on a ship um, or the steering wheel that drives your front wheels and your car, a little bit of friction is what allows it to function. It's also the reason why When it gets you know icy out, when the roads get covered in ice, you don't really have any control, but you got a lot of, but you definitely have a surface that's becoming less, you know, less resistant, more not as much friction. Part of our culture, we almost get told that to be streamlined is to be best. Like, if you're not streamlined, if you're not 100% efficient, you can't work. On the other hand, Think about the logistical system today, the just-in-time. Think about globalism and just-in-time and how they sold it to you. You're always going to have your shit. Now, it's true, old Grumpy's grocery store won't have all the extra food on hand, but there's always going to be food because those ships will always sail, those trucks will always deliver, there'll always be fuel for the trucks. You know The way they sold globalism and the way that they sold Uh, in some ways, in many ways, I call it neo-Stalinism, but the way they sold the globalism and the just-in-time was based upon this idea that a friction-free environment is optimal. And what I'm going to tell you is that might not be true. A friction-free environment will allow you to do things faster, right? More efficiently. But then you still have to ask, what the fuck are you doing? It's kind of like a mad king. Okay, you're a king, you rule over a country. Let's say you were a good king most of your life, you suddenly get the monkey herpes, you go monkey crazy, and you start doing dumb shit that kings and queens shouldn't fucking do unless they want to be beheaded, you know. But because you're king, and because you've been good most of your life, the people look at you and say, oh, maybe he's just got a stomachache, right? Um, he'll, he'll get over it, maybe. The mad king, the mad dictator gets away with a lot at first because there is no friction. Nobody wants to say stop. Nobody wants to say no. Nobody wants to act against that person. Everybody wants to be a yes man or a yes woman or whatever. If you think that having no friction is good, you should meditate on what it means to have control. In many cases, in almost every case, To have control is to have some sort of resistance. It is to have the ability to turn your direction and in that sense, change your velocity, often reducing it. But in exchange, you get control. It's also why, in the vacuum of space, um, whether you're orbiting the Earth or someplace further out, and you're essentially in what's called zero gravity, it's also why a really bad maneuver can doom you. You know, these are maneuvers, even with these tiny thrusters, and they do have to be careful with these thrusters. Even with these tiny thrusters, if you did the wrong maneuver, you could get into an uncontrolled spin, and very quickly, the relative gravity inside of that ship could get to incredible Gs of acceleration. And, not, and there is no good kind, but this would be the really bad kind the kind that would essentially just turn your body to mush and you'd die. So being in a frictionless environment can be dangerous, especially if you think that not having control is a good thing. Like Dr. Freckles said, beware the friction-free environment. You know, sometimes because people love you, they won't push back. Maybe you're doing something bad. Maybe you're eating the wrong food or eating too much food. Maybe you're not exercising. Whatever it could be or might be. um, Often friends and family won't say anything. This is frictionless and this is not good. Actually providing a minimal amount of friction can be helpful for people. I don't mean berating people or beating them up. I don't mean that at all. But what I do mean is, is that Allowing people to get away with delusions isn't necessarily good for them. It's your own business if you want to be confused. But I would say this, if you live with other people, you kind of have to be aware of that fact. And if you do live with other people, one of the best features of that is the little bit of friction they provide. When they say no when you want them to say yes. When they say yes, when you want them to say no. When they tell you things that go against what you're saying and make you stop and think, yeah, they're gonna slow your roll, but maybe they're gonna save your fucking life. Just a little bit of friction, baby. So on some of the, the websites I go to like Zero Hedge they got a lot of clickbait clickbait and a lot of the clickbait is like you remember this actor in 1996 how sexy how, how beautiful and sexy she was in 1996 look at her now oh my god she's working at Walmart she's eating potato chips she has six babies yeah six babies, and three cesareans. A lot of clickbait is like that. You remember this actor? Whatever happened to Kirk Cameron? You know, he made a bunch of movies about the end of the world, about, you know, the the Antichrist. Whatever happened to Left Behind? Whatever happened... You know, to Sarah Michelle Gellar. Is is she pimping something? Did she get a new nose job, a new face job, a new boob job? Whatever happened to Buffy, right? Whatever happened to Demi Moore? You know, back in the 1980s, Demi Moore was this beautiful young actress, you know, brunette, sexy as fuck, man. Even in the 90s, she was still pretty sexy. Sexy enough to get herself a younger man, a younger grumbly guy. Whatever happened to Demi Moore, you know, look at her face. It looks it looks monstrous. It looks like it was carved out on Easter Island. Look at her hair, how it connects to her skull. It looks like somebody, you know, fused a bunch of... Yeah, fake hair to her skull. Who knows, right? But if I'm going to look at the clickbait, then I'm going to have an opinion. And if you ask me, I think Demi should keep going. I mean, yeah, whatever plastic surgery she's done looks to be monstrous, but if you're going to go down that road, if you're going to go down that road, why would you stop? I mean... Why would you? Why not just do everything possible? Get the butt job, the boob job, the arm job, the nose job, the eye job, the head job. Get all of them done. Get every kind of surgery you can get done. Have them pump out the fat and replace it with silicon rubber. Have them pump out the goobus and replace it with frumbus. Have them, you know, maybe colorize your eyes so your eyes are a different color. Hell. Go the fucking Michael Jackson route, but the other way, you know? Get your skin kind of toned and tanned with the permanent tan, you know, the permanent melatonin. Imagine Demi Moore's second career, but as a strong black woman. Because technically, she would be black, because her color's been changed. But, you know, she wouldn't be African American, though. But she would be black. Wasn't there that Rachel Dolezal, some sort of Democrat, some kind of liberal? I think she lived in Spokane, Spokane, Washington. She was, yeah, she was a major figure in the people of color organizations and whatnot. She was white as fuck, you know. But she had the spray on tan and she did a good job of playing pretend. I don't know. It seems like what she did is kind of a race crime, but who cares? I say, Demi, go black or go back. Take it to the next level. You could become a black American female singer. And who knows what your next career looks like. Remember, black doesn't crack. That's what they say. So go black, Demi. I told people recently um, that I was going to try to take my podcast in a different direction. I was going to try to tell more stories and I I may do that, I don't know. I've got a couple stories like Lost Mormon Gold. For example, in Utah, there are a lot of Mormons and believe it or not, there's a lot of mystery surrounding them. So what if there's some treasure trove in the Owinta Mountains? What if buried below King's Peak is King Solomon's mine? What if King Solomon's mine was always in Utah? Yes, indeed, the lost Mormon gold, the lost King Solomon mine found in Utah... The Mormon coalition of Brigham Young and the secret the secret cadre, the Star Chamber of Salt Lake City. They keep it a secret because they want, you know, they want people to be poor, right? Maybe I don't know. Another story is the story of Dr. Baxton. Dr. Baxton works in a hospital. Dr. Baxton is loved. Dr. Baxton recently started dating. Dr. Baxton is a fully sentient colony of bacteria that evolved in the hospital. Um, It evolved from just ordinary bacteria being exposed to radiation and chemicals and sick people and old people and you fucking name it. And over decades, these colonies of bacteria formed together and started thinking and talking. And one of them said how do we get out of this hospital? And another colony said, what if we formed a super colony called Dr. Baxton? And then we had a little name tag saying Dr. fucking Baxton. But then they fell in love with the hospital and they fell in love with helping people. And so this super sentient colony of super bacteria is now on call in the emergency room. Yeah, Dr. Baxton looks normal, but that's only if you don't look too closely. I don't know. A lot of crazy ideas. I don't know what I'll do with that. We'll see. Got a quote from Dr. Freckles. I think in most cases, revenge is more just than our justice system. You know... I kind of, I've kind of just come to that conclusion. I'm not saying I like revenge. It's just that ordinary mob revenge, all things being equal, if it was studied statistically, probably would do no worse than what we currently do with our quote-unquote justice system, where you're innocent until proven guilty. I have never met one motherfucker who went into the justice system, won their case, and felt like they were innocent. Every single person that gets pulled into that system gets treated like shit. They leave with shit stains on them. They leave with a fucking record. Even if they win their court case, they are still guilty. You go to jail for 10 or 20 years because you committed a crime. You serve your sentence. You go out into the real world and maybe you want, want to start your life again. But guess what? Maybe you can't vote. Maybe you can't own a gun. Because even though you served your fucking time, you never, ever, ever leave that system. And you never leave it innocent. Ever. So when somebody tells me, Dan, you want mob justice? No, you know what? I don't want mob justice, but that also implies, I don't like your democracy. Even when it works, it ends up being mob justice bullshit. So you know what? Let's not do any fucking mob justice. Let's stop the voting. Let's stop the political party bullshit. Let's focus on what fucking matters. And if somebody does something to you that you can forgive, forgive them. And if somebody does something to you that's unforgivable, you do what you gotta do. It is your life. I believe in the non-aggression principle, but there is no portion of the non-aggression principle that says you must undergo violence from others. You must, you know, be exposed to the, to the depravity of others. No, you don't have to be. Yes, uh, Jesus Christ said, turn the other cheek, but I don't think he means what you think he means. I don't. I don't think that Jesus Christ meant for the human race to just bow down to evil and, and be destroyed. So if someone does evil to you and you can forgive it, if it is a forgivable offense, forgive them. If they can achieve restitution, do restitution. If there is a way to find a third party to mediate, do so. But if you believe that by going into the justice system of America, you will somehow make it better, you are confused. That is not the purpose of the justice system. I I would tell you, a lot of these county courthouses, the main purpose is to milk the system for money,
1: to provide
0: jobs, you know. And there are a lot of corporations who will say, hey, listen, judge, there's a a justice conference, you know, yeah. There's this criminal justice conference in, in the Bahamas. It's all about our new prison complex, you know, where we make, them, we make them produce wallets we can sell. Or we have them run technical support for GoDaddy. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of GoDaddy technical support is coming from prisons. It It, it makes sense to me at this point. But if you think the purpose of the American justice system is justice... You're on crack, you're confused. It has many purposes and none of them have to do with fucking justice or innocent until proven guilty. They don't give a fuck. All they want is your fucking money. All they want is your fucking obedience and your time. And you will never, ever, ever get back your fucking reputation. That is the American justice system. So if I had a choice between that bullshit that costs us money and slows things down and ruins things or just good old fashioned revenge, I think I'd prefer revenge. I would. Oh, I have another quote from Dr. Freckles that we can end on. We can end on it on a Dr. Freckles quote. Too many quotes from Dr. Freckles today. Oh, did you hear that? I hope you did. Anyways, when I was young, I thought my dad was too tough on me. I look back now and I wonder if he was tough enough, Dr. Freckles. You know, I think just about every son that had a dad and every daughter that had a mom or vice versa, just about every kid that had a parent might say, my parent, my mom or dad was too tough on me. But I think if you're between the ages of 30 and 60 at this point in American history and you look back upon your youth, You might be saying what I'm thinking these days. I wish maybe my dad had been tougher. Like maybe my father understood things that he was never able to explain. And maybe if I'd understood them better, I would have made better choices. I thought he was tough as fuck. And he was in his own way. And I thought he could be mean. And he was mean in his own way. But the reality was that he was just a tough motherfucker. And maybe he just wanted to make sure we would be tough enough. I don't know. I pretend, when I look at the world right now, that I am ready for what's about to happen. But I know that I'm not that ready. I'm not nearly ready enough. I might be psychologically more ready than a lot of people, but that's not saying much. Um, A lot of people I used to respect got suckered by the monkey herpes. A lot of people I used to respect took the word of a hospital over the word of other people in their life they're supposed to trust. A lot of people I used to respect got conned, got grifted, big time. And they fucked up their lives and their relationships over it. They are not remotely ready for what's about to happen. When I was young, I thought my dad was too tough on me. I thought his Northwest lager stuff was a lot of bravado and machismo. Um, But I look back now and I kind of wish I would have understood it better. I wish he'd been able to explain it better. I think he did know something that he could not explain. And if he'd been able to, I think a lot of things in my life and my brother's life and the life of my family might have been different. He was taken when I was still kind of young. I was 23 and my dad was gone. So whatever uh, conversation I was going to have with him had to happen in 1993. 1993. So this is the end of this podcast on Friday, January the 21st, 2022. It's almost 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I guess you'd call it Mountain Standard Time here in the great state of Utah. If you live on the West Coast and you were listening to this live, which is impossible because I don't currently have a live channel. But if you're listening on the West Coast, it'd be earlier. If you're on the East Coast, it's later. And, and I'm just somewhere in between, motherfucker. And it's okay. If you don't like the noise of that engine, if it's too scary, too loud, too whiny, if it sounds like a dog chasing a cat, chasing a rat, chasing a snake inside, if it sounds pretty bad, really bad, all you have to do is change the fucking cassette tape. All you have to do is turn up the volume. Have a great Friday.